Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right, thanks. For people who have just found A Waste of Time with It's The Real, what else should they be looking for? Uh, more Waste of Time with It's The Real. We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram at It's The Real. You can find us on Twitter at It's The Real. And you can find us on Snapchat at It's The Real Eric and It's It's The Real. We're out here. When do you want to get started? Uh, not now, but like right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Deep in These Streets, a.k.a. Second Avenue Subway. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Get Your Face Took, a.k.a. Merck Zuckerberg. And guess what? We have a lot of guests today. Yeah, we don't have just one. No, we have a ton. This one's a long episode. Hopefully you guys stick around for the whole thing because we have a bunch of great stories that are told. Right. We are calling this an open mic night. We have invited 12 of our friends, 13 of our friends, 12 friends and one who is not a friend. That's you right. Guess you, which one's yeah, not a friend. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, they all tell great stories. Some of the stories have been edited for clarity and timing. And uh, let's get into it. The first one is with our friends Big Waz and Boss Nod. I don't think they do it anymore, but Fool's Gold used to do their holiday party mm-hmm. every December. Yes. And um, I, this had to be like four years ago. This was like four years ago. I know Take <laughs> Care had no, come no, out. No, it wasn't even four years ago. It had to be. It had to be. Take Care came out, what, five years ago? There you go. So yeah, Take Care was already out. Anyway, Nod invites me to this party. Um, it's him. What was that? It was at uh, Tammany Hall. It was at Tammany Yo, Hall. Fuck the doorman. <laughs> God, awful. <laughs> so you know, it was ridiculous politics at the door. Nod got in. I was about to go home, and my homie, who I invited, mm. who's a cop, a cop, he got me in. The only time they came through he had, for us, the right? Only time he had no, came through. He had no nothing. He just walked up to the bouncer. Was like, "Yo, fellas, mm. blah blah blah." And he was like, "Yo, come is. on, let's go. We yeah. good." Fools go Christmas party. Manny Fresh is DJing. Rammed. Um, it's packed. Yeah. It's an open bar. We're mm. drinking. I think it was Bushmills at the Bush time. Mills. Remember A Track had like Bushmills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great product. So, um, <laughs> Manny Fresh DJing, just Blaze DJing, I believe. Um, and Drake was just there. You know, he got on the mic. He was like, you know, he said a bunch of nice things about A Track. I figured it was like a Canadian thing <laughs> sure. or something. And um, you know, he says his piece, and he's uh he's walking through the crowd. First of all, let me just. Just sidebar, like anybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge Drake fan. I'm not even just like, oh, I like his. No, I'm like a huge fan. It's like being fabulous. Yeah, yeah, right. 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 Apologist. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm an apologist, yeah. a propagandist. Yeah. 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 Like can't do everything. no wrong. Everything. Like, <laughs> literally. So he's walking through. We make eye contact, mm. and I lift my hand up to give a dab. Mind you, I'm drunk. I don't. I don't know why I did this. <laughs> I lift my hand up to give him a dab. He daps me. We do the full dap hug combination. Greatest moment mm. yeah. in life. He's crowded by security too. It's crazy. Right. I even got that. I didn't. I didn't even a... see security. Yeah, I yeah. just saw Drake. We made eye contact <laughs> and I dapped him up like we've been homies for years. Yeah, like I ain't seen him in years. Like oh, there you go. My man. So I look him. I look him directly in his eye. I, I was. I didn't know what to say. All I said was, "I love you, man." <laughs> yes. Yes. He did 100% this happened I was there Watching the whole time The whole time I'm just watching it He's just And I'm gone I'm gone off the Bushmills I'm just, just watching. Like, I'm like yo I'm like hold on I, I, Mind you He's still holding he's my still hand He's still holding hand The dap hasn't been finished yeah, yet Cause it was the Dap bringing the hug And then you know Yeah nah And he's holding my hand And I'm like I love you man They locked in They locked in eyes Drake looks me Right in my eye And he gives me that Quintessential Drake smile And he goes I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. 
and then he just walked away. Walked yo, away. yo. And I look over to Nod, who's yeah. just like, because I was just like, did anybody just see the just like, no. And nobody like, saw it, but I saw it. Like, I'm looking at him. I'm like, dude. Like, yo, I'm like, yo, you lame like, as fuck. Yo. <laughs> Nod is holding his face like, like yo, yo, <laughs> you like, dude, son. But, you know, and in the moment, because again, like, I was, had been drinking, and I'm like, yo. That was insane. <laughs> like I literally told a man. I don't even tell my mom that I love her we every day. Our fathers, we like real yeah. talk. Yeah. Like I can't even remember the last time I told my dad. Like dad, I love <laughs> I you. Love right. You, you know that. what I'm saying? But Drake, a man that I don't know from a can of paint. Yeah. I, straight off the music. I just heard the music. Off of some, that, I was off so bars. happy that he dapped me up, and I love this music. You, you know, and to Drake's credit, it's like. <laughs> Some weirdo that you've never met in your life. I'm you sure these kind of You look things, sane and, and held right. together. You know what I mean? So he's I'm not sure expecting this that. This type of things happen. This type of thing happens all the time. But it's like some dude that you don't know just goes, <laughs> "I love," you. and he handled it in like. That's how you know he's like a professional, yeah. right? Because oh, yeah. I might have been flustered and been like, "Word, yeah. Yeah. okay, yeah. deaf." <laughs> you know, like, what do you? Really, how do you really respond to that? But he, he literally just said. I appreciate that. Yo, maybe he was in the holiday spirit. It was I mean? crazy. I, 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 it, it was crazy to watch. Don't but. take away from this moment. No, yeah. no, no, no. He's a genuinely amazing no, person. Nobody really cares about his He appreciated no. that. Our next story comes to us from our brother Dan, who's talking about work emails. I'm a suit. So I work. I, I run a sales team. I work in sports, so it's a pretty cool job. And I'm in charge of generating a, quite a bit of revenue. And so I get resumes from people who want to work uh, where I work. Most of the time, they're from people who are serious candidates who truly want to work in in sales in this in this industry. Not always are they the most qualified, but you know, I always look for great people, and I'm always looking for talented people to join my team. And this is true. You have gotten resumes in the past. That have referenced Jeff and myself. Oh yeah, people have sent me resumes that said, you know, I'm I'm really interested in working at this company, and I really want to work in this uh, this field in sales. I'm really qualified, and da 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 da. Here's my resume. I look forward to speaking with you. P.S. I'm a big fan of your brothers. It's the real. <laughs> And I hope that uh, we can chat about it when, when I come in for inter- my interview. And then what happens? Delete. <laughs> Shred. Doesn't help your case. <laughs> so I actually have some examples of how some of the, the more ridiculous things that people have sent me from a resume perspective or cover letter perspective. 100% real. To Dan Rosenthal, as part of my search for full-time permanent employment, I decided to contact you. I happen to see you again on a rerun of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Because you're from New York and proved to be a good and pleasant contestant, I was particularly interested in watching you on the show and learning about you. By the way, there's like 800 commas so far. When I searched on the computer, I saw you worked for the team you worked for, and I decided to send you my resume. I'm an intelligent worker with an excellent eye for detail. My background is clerical with an emphasis on filing and related functions. Although my computer skills are a bit limited, I can learn from specific tasks that are shown to me. My reference letters will show that I have a lot to offer. I look forward to working with you and getting the opportunity that I know I deserve. Thank you very much. Sincerely, whatever your name is. Attention to detail. Yeah. Number one. (laughs) I've never been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. (laughs) Have you been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire reruns? No. When I Googled myself and who wants to be a millionaire, I found nothing. So the person who says, I have an intelligent worker with an excellent eye for detail, 
has none of those things. And then the person who says, my computer skills are a bit limited. No kidding. (laughs) Needless to say, they didn't get the job. You don't think I got another email about an interview? Well, yes, I do. (laughs) Thursday, May 24, 2012. Subject, interview. Mr. Rosenthal, I wanted to thank you for the opportunity to interview for the sales position. I also wanted to ask some questions that I forgot to ask you at the time of the interview. What is the starting pay for this position and how many people are being interviewed? I meant to write you back sooner, but it's been a crazy past few days. I went down to Atlantic City with a few friends this week and one of my friends ended up breaking his leg because he (laughs) fell off a ledge. (laughs) Thanks again. Chris, that's literally how he ended the email. Now, did you hire either of these guys? Nope. Dan has business. Booming. <laughs> Shout out to our friends over at I'll Name This Podcast Later, otherwise known as Joe Budden's Podcast. Our next story comes from one of the co-hosts of that podcast, Marissa Mendez, who's talking about her diary. So I was 16 years old. And I had the house to myself for the week because my mom and my grandma went away to, I don't know where they went. (laughs) And I kept a diary at that time. Like every day I would write down everything I did. And I used to keep it in plain sight because my parents were never, well, I didn't live with my mom. She was never like the Snoopy type. So Mm -hmm. she didn't give a shit the fuck I was doing. I could stay out to whatever time of night. Like she never cared. So I would keep it out. It was really just for my own documentation. Like I want to read it back 10 years later and see how cool my life was at 16. Mm -hmm. Or crazy. Or all of (laughs) the above. So we were all doing stupid shit. We had parties every night. That's like when you first start fucking with guys and stuff. So. So we have guys there, we're doing stuff with them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm writing down every detail, not only what I'm doing, but what my friends are doing, uh-huh. like who they're wow. doing it with, like <laughs> this all is like these things. the shade room, but like <laughs> for, for jersey. And I remember the diary too, I had like this green, like clear cover. Oh, it was great. Did it say like Marissa's diary on it? No, it just was like, it looked like a regular like little school notebook, like a smaller version of one. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, I liked it because it was, it had a lot of pages and I had a lot to write. So, uh, <laughs> so one day I think the end of it was the end, it was the weekend. Now the week had gone by. We had the whole house. It was the summertime, so we were home every day. And um, it was a Saturday, I believe. My mom had just come back, and I was in Harlem at the Purple City Bird Gang video shoot to Vintage. Um, wow, you were sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> we used to like hang out. Dips at uh, Joel Santana had a store. On yeah. 151st in Amsterdam. So that's actually how I met Karen Civil. We met at the Dipset store. Well, first we met online on Jewels.com. And then we we met up at the store. And my best friend to this day, Carol, met her on Jewels.com. And we used to hang out at the store together. Were you up there buying, like, bandanas? Uh, literally every yeah. week. I just yeah. wanted, like, a reason to be. I didn't want to just stand around. So I would at least <laughs> buy one bandana every week. Um, but his mom ran the store. So that's she right. used to be, like, really cool with us and, like, took us in as her daughters. So we, we went to his baby shower that year. We did all that stuff. So they invited us to the shoot. And um, so actually, if you go on YouTube and look, Karen has a cameo in the beginning, um, at the beginning. And I have a pebble-sized cameo, which (laughs) you actually have to freeze frame and then zoom in to see that it's actually me. But if you guys want to go ahead and do that, it's like Un is riding down the street on a bicycle and there's people on the cars on the side. I'm there in a jumper with a purple tank top. Screenshot that throwback Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, so I was there and I get a text from my mom like you're fucking dead and I'm like <laughs> oh god what did I do and apparently um, 
because my one girlfriend she's black but she's like white person black so sometimes she hangs out with all white people that are like stupid and stuff (laughs) and so she invited all these crazy white kids to my house that week that like do the weird drugs and like party and shit people that i don't really associate with and apparently they stole a bunch of jewelry from my grandmother's room and my mother's room that i I had no idea because i didn't go to check the inventory when everyone left so when they got home they realized all this shit was missing I'm denying everything when my mom's texting me. I'm like, I didn't have anybody over. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Oh. Like, shut up. <laughs> so she was like, all right, you want to deny shit? I'll go read this dumbass's diary oh, that's sitting yeah. right on her bed. No. Wait, so you didn't write, like, keep out on it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would have really added much for me at this point. So she goes to my diary, and of course it has everything in there, everyone that came over every single day. And she calls up my father, who's a lot better at the discipline thing. <laughs> And um, my father is also a lot more dramatic than my mother. So what my dad proceeds to do um, is call a group meeting with my two best friends that were like my cohorts in that whole situation. So Jewel, Jewel right. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll call them Susan and uh, Nicole for now because fuck Nicole, I don't talk to her anymore. Um, <laughs> but Susan's name has been changed to protect identities. So um, they. And their parents, they call their parents as well. So oh let's say... Two you had days, an intervention. Yeah. So let's say like two days later, it's Susan, Nicole, myself, and all their sets of parents and my parents. My father pulls out a briefcase at this <laughs> meeting, right? It's in my living room. And he had his diary in there. <laughs> he had copies of my diary for every parent. Oh wow. My God. Each one. Like not even a, like one per group. It's like one for every single person. And Nicole... Were they Nicole, laminated? Uh, no. And you said your father's dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a spreadsheet that he created that had every person's name that I mentioned in that week-long story and then their possible <laughs> affiliation. But he got it all fucked up because he mentioned like Karen Civil, but she never was at my house the only time I saw her was at the Purple City Breaking video <laughs> shoot so he put Karen Civil possibly bought liquor from minors and I'm like what the fuck wait did you zero in on that and you're like your facts are wrong exactly right? I did I was so angry I'm like cause, cause she's at least uh, I don't know three or four years older than me or whatever and I'm like I'm the minor here. I'm not getting this like adult in trouble, and she literally didn't do anything. So that like freaked me out. I'm like, oh my god, don't call the girl. Like she didn't do anything. <laughs> Does your dad work for NASA? No, my dad's a fucking wine salesman. I'm like, where is this coming from? No, you should have like, gotten the alcohol from him, by the way. <laughs> I know this is like an FBI chart it, or whatever. It was Every, you're the ringleader, and then yes! it's like yeah, <laughs> like little circles and shit. So um, Jim Jones is the capo. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> Good work. So he's reading through the different parts of the diary, and then it gets to like. Uh, Susan's like part in the situation and she hooked up with two guys in at one time not sex but like just kissing yeah, yeah, yeah. weird um in my brother's bedroom actually <laughs> sorry Farquad. and um <laughs> so my dad's like oh you know Mr. and Mrs. Susan's parents yeah. uh can you read out loud page three please oh, and they had to God. say Susan got her tits licked by such and such and I'm sitting there oh like, my god oh my god like this is so <laughs> Wait, bad it, are the parents as uncomfortable as you are yes, or is they kept just... asking for glass of water after oh glass of water god. I'm actually trying not to laugh because <laughs> like this is just some true Glenn Mendez shit to do like it was just like and none of them are used to it I'm used to this I grew up with this man like Wait, I just know real quick Glenn Mendez will be at SOB <laughs> He will be at SOBs on Tuesday. (laughs) So um, then he took my cell phone from me because he was paying for it at the time. It was a a StarTag, I believe. And I had sex that week and I had wrote about it, obviously, in the diary. And while when my dad had my phone, the guy that I said I had sex with called my phone as my dad's doing this speech. So he answers the phone and he was like, Alberto, I'd Uh. like to thank you for making love to my daughter. And I'm like, 
Oh my god! Never talk to that guy again. By Who, the way, Glenn? No, Alberto. <laughs> I added him on Facebook like a few years ago, and he looks really weird. Spanishy. <laughs> um, and then he gave a speech at the end of this, and he was like, "Not only were you guys robbed of money and jewelry, but you oh. were robbed of trust, <laughs> dignity, and respect." And like, uh, uh, Susan and Nicole are fucking like crying their eyes out. Every parent is stressed out, and my dad goes around the room, and he was like, "Susan, do you regret it?" And she was like, "Yes," and he was like. Nicole, do you regret it? She was like, yes. And then he was like, Marissa, do you regret it? I was like, only because we got caught. Yo, he oh my took God. me out of the room and beat the shit out of me downstairs. And he took my name belt and he took my name earrings and he took my name ring and all this stuff he that he didn't even name. pay for. My mom paid for that stuff. Yo. And um, then uh, as I was walking back to the room, I saw my diary sitting on the table. So I grabbed it and I ran back downstairs and I ripped out all the pages and I put it on. I couldn't light it on fire because I'm scared of fire. <laughs> but I put it all underwater so it would just be like one soggy oh piece of shit mess. God. So they couldn't like call me out on anything else because they only made copies of that specific week. Mm-hmm. And I had been going to Harlem every single weekend the whole summer and I wasn't allowed to go to New York by myself at 16. So I was trying to like get rid of the evidence. <laughs> so later when all the parents leave and my dad's screaming at me, he was like, um, and I know you went to Harlem every single weekend. Well, I'm like, no, the fuck I didn't. <laughs> he was like, I have it right here. And he goes to get the diary and sees that it's not there. And he starts screaming at me. I'm like, I'm going to call Dyfus. Fuck you, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And Nicole ends up getting grounded for six months. Wow. Susan got grounded for three months. And I got fake grounded, but I still went out every week. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that is my story this next story comes to us from mark ballard who came to us from peter rosenberg who came to him through craigslist and this next story is about craigslist and buying tickets for the band fish yes i'm a bit i'm a big fan of of the band fish i've seen them over a hundred times since going back to when i was 16 years old i am 30 (laughs) years old (laughs) and um and so fish fish has been playing the garden like for new years for years and years and years and it's every year it's kind of this hustle to get tickets fish is playing four nights at the garden and the hardest ticket to get of course is new year's right i'm on the hunt right so i find this kid on craigslist and he's got these tickets and he's got this whole story right he's his his girlfriend bought tickets for pretty lights and you know he, he he bought tickets for fish. He didn't know that, so he's going to see Pretty Lights with his girl. He's going to unload these fish tickets. Great, that kind of checks out, right? So I go to meet this kid down somewhere in the Lower East Side, and I and I bought tons of tickets. I'm I'm I've seen thousands of I've I've been seeing live music since I was 16. You're by, not new by yeah. the truckload, right? Yeah. So I know I know what a fake ticket looks like. Not going to get took, right? So. I meet this kid downtown, and he shows up, and he just kind of checks out. He just has like the fleece, the vans. He just looks like the you know the kid. You, they, you know, it's like the Pink Floyd, the Wall. Like these kids just come on the off the conveyor belt, you know, for fish concerts. And he meets me, and he hands me this envelope, and inside the envelope are the two fish tickets he promised me. And you know how when you buy Ticketmaster tickets, they print you out that receipt ticket with mm-hmm. your address on it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that's in the envelope. For anyone out there, there's this, this is a good thing to know. There's this test you can do on Ticketmaster tickets where you take your thumbnail and if you press it up against a ticket with pressure and rub it against a ticket, you will see a black streak. And that's how you know the ticket is real, hmm. right? So I typically do this, right? But when I open up this envelope and I see this receipt in there, I'm like, oh, fuck, these are, these are real. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, yeah thanks, no test buddy. needed. Yeah. <laughs> gave, gave, him, gave him the, the, Four hundred dollars for two tickets, which Damn. was two hundred apiece. I take the tickets, 
you know, thanks a lot. See you later. Go down to the subway, and I'm waiting for the subway, and I'm standing on the platform, and I take him out. I look at him again, and I just do that thumb thing, you know, just casually. And sure enough, no, no streak. And I'm like, fuck. Something's <laughs> wrong with my thumb. Something's yeah. <laughs> My nail is broken. Yeah, what's you know? So I go back to my apartment, and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I don't. This doesn't feel right. But they, they, these tickets look perfect. So I call up this kid back, and he picks up. And, you know, if, if, if he had, had gotten the money, you know, it's just like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not picking up. So he picks up. And I say, I say, hey, man, you know, they, I got this. There's this dumb thing you could do with the tickets. And, you know, it's, I, I, have a, I think these are funny. Are you sure you bought these? He's like, yeah, yeah, I bought them. And he says, he says, listen, man, I got a buddy at work who wants them. If you're feeling uncomfortable, I'll happy to meet you at the same place. I'll give you your money back. Wow. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take these tickets. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> These tickets have to be they have to be real. They have to be real. What the, what this guy's going to meet me and give me my money back? What kind of scalper is this? So I said, "Is there is there anything you do? Could you just like text me like your business card or something like that?" And he's like, "Dude, they're real. I'll text you my fucking ID." <laughs> and so he literally texts me a Rhode Island driver's license with I remember the street address, 77 Exeter Road in Rhode Island. The same fucking address that's on the receipt of these tickets. And I have this picture with the kid I just saw, his face on the, you know. And I'm thinking, okay, is this kid really going to this trouble where he has the receipt to the fucking tickets and then he has the fake ID backup? He's in, he's the, in deep. Yeah, yeah like how, what, is, what kind of sting is going on here? <laughs> So, so I'm like, all right, dude, you know, I don't know, maybe Ticketmaster changed their thing, like whatever. And so I decide I'm going to keep these tickets. So, you know, the days tick by and New Year's is getting closer and closer and this tickets for me and my, and my friend and, and I'm thinking, you know, a week of the show, I'm like, fuck, something <laughs> still isn't like sitting right. You know, I just, I can't have New Year's Eve come, walk up to the gate at Garden and have just some you know, like, <laughs> night ruined. <laughs> you know, fuck you. So, uh, so I call the kid back again, like a week before the show, and it's like, you know, this number has been disconnected. I'm like, fuck, motherfucker. <laughs> I've been got, you know. So, fuck, you know, it's a week before the show, and not only have I am I out four hundred dollars, but you know, I just don't have fucking tickets. So, yeah. So. Back to Craigslist I go, <laughs> and I put up put up my own ad that I'm seeking tickets, you know, and I write and I wrote something like because I I've never seen I've seen tons of fake tickets and usually it's just like yes you know see you later, but these were so good and so I put put something in my note about like be careful guys like there are insanely good fakes out there, and I said I said I can't remember what I said in the ad but I said something about the story that triggered what comes next okay so. Still looking for tickets, and I get um, I get uh, this this email from this kid, and he's from Boston, and he's like, "Hey man, I'm about to buy these tickets from this guy, and I had seen your ad, and it, maybe it was like Pretty Lights or something about the thing. He's like something." Like, seem familiar and blah, 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 blah. And, and my girlfriend's about to meet this guy for these tickets and da-da-da. And he said the guy just texted me pictures of the tickets and they look totally legit. And he, so he sends me this text that he gets from this guy. And it's the tickets plus the receipt. 
and and he sends it to me, and on the receipt it says seventy seven Exeter <laughs> Road in fucking Rhode Island, right? And I'm like, we got it, <laughs> we got this fucker, right? I'm like, sweet. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna fucking drop a dime on this guy. He's going down. So I call the cops, and I'm like, hey man, there's this guy selling fake tickets. I'm I'm gonna m- meet this guy at you know tonight. Can we fucking you know bust this guy? And the, when the cop, you know, the cops like, well, first of all, sir, you're you're buying you know scalping tickets on the internet. It's like we want nothing to do with that, and we wish you well. And my PD, and my PD, you're no good. So I have to take matters into my own hands, right? So my roommate at the time was kind of this like big like lacrosse guy, and. uh and he's like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll fucking go to meet this guy with you. And I was like, okay. And then there's this other guy, this guy, uh, my friend Howie, shout out to Howie Levine, Howie's friend Q from the Bronx. And Q, and Q and I were going to some, something at Brooklyn Bowl, maybe like a, it was like a bull train or something that mm-hmm. night. So Q, Q was like, I was like, Q, you want to come on this thing? And Q's a fucking big dude. And Q was like, he's like, hell yeah. Okay, so Q, Q calls. Everyone's looking for a fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no one was looking for a fight where they were just like, you got robbed for $400. This is a rare opportunity to go meet your scalper and, right. get you and look money. tough. Yeah, yeah sure. Q, Ryan, and I go to meet this this scalper at like it was like 14th and 8th or something mm, very good area good yeah, yeah just yeah. uh you know we're meeting this kid and out I, in the open right out in the open in front of this wells fargo he tells me sure 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 <laughs> so i show up and i i, I save my ticket stubs from concerts so i have like all these recent good Ticketmaster stubs right um, <laughs> if you take a Ticketmaster ticket not only and this is probably related to the black streak thing but if you hold it up in front of the light it should shine blue hmm me, Q, and Ryan go to meet this guy. And I'm expecting to see the same guy. Right? Sure. So we show up, and it's a different guy. That's, that's kind of – so I'm like, hmm. Yeah. But the kid's like, yeah, yeah, I got the tickets. Da, 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 da. Gives them to me, and sure enough, the receipt, 77 Exeter, Rhode Island. I look at the tickets. I hold them up to the light. No, no blue, right? Uh. No thumb. Yeah, you know, these are they're just failing, failing duds. So duds. <laughs> so I say to this kid, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. So so these are fake, right? And and, and first of all, I should say that this kid's a tiny dude. Okay. He's, he's like a little college dude. He's he's also there's one of him and three of you. One of him, three <laughs> but of he's us. Scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> he was like Rudy. <laughs> Immediately, I, I'm like, yo, man, the thing about these tickets are fake, man. And he's, he's immediately just kind of like, what do, what do you mean? What do you mean they're fake? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, man, they're fake. Uh, you know, and I'm like, well, here's the thing. I brought these real tickets, and if you can see, you hold them up to the light, and, then, 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 and here's yours. And da da da, and he's like, "Well, I don't know, man. I bought them." And and I'm just like, "Listen, man. I know they're not real. You guys ripped me off about a month ago. You have four hundred dollars of mine, and you're gonna give me that money back right now." But my intention is to to scare the shit out of this kid. So <laughs> Q starts barking. He's like, "Yo, let me just beat the shit out of this kid right now." And, and Ryan's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And, and you know, Ryan's kind of like looking down the street, like doing the lookout move, like should we just. You know, like making sure like no one's gonna have witnesses when we like stomp him on the street, and this kid's just shook. So he's he's kind of he's like, I have no money, I have no money, and he's he's like emptying his pockets, and he's like, and he pulls out like this little wallet, and my and my buddy Ryan's like, Yo, yo, what about that? What about that ATM card you got there? <laughs> he goes, uh, I'm like, Yeah, what about that ATM card? And we're we met in front of the fucking Wells Fargo. I'm like, Let's let's go let's go in this let's go let's go take a look at this ATM. So we go in this Wells Fargo. <laughs> 
And this kid, and he's, he's like, hands are shaking. This kid is just, he, he literally thinks he's about to get the, sh- the snot beat out of him. And, uh, and he, he puts in his card and he types in the pin number. It's like, invalid pin. Like, I'm like, try it again. I'm standing over this kid. And I'm like, you know your fucking pin number. Type it in again. He's like, I don't know. It's my brother. Like, oh. he's coming up with all these excuses. Well, I'm standing over this kid's shoulder, like, yelling at him to type in his pin again. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> Someone else walks in, like, some old guy walks into the Wells Fargo and sees this happen. And it was just one of those New York moments where he's like, not my problem. <laughs> Takes out his money and he's gone, right? <laughs> So, so this kid, I don't know if the ATM card was fake or if what that what what that was about, but he's getting no money out of this thing. So he comes outside and 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 you know, <laughs> Q's still barking. He's getting more nervous as as the time goes by. And finally, he call. He's like, "Let me call my friend. Let me call my friend." He calls his buddy, and he's like, "You know, Tim, Tim, they they, they got me, man. Like, he's like, I'm gonna get this shit kicked out of me, man. You gotta bring four hundred dollars right now, man. Like, I need your help." He's just he's in panic mode, and so this kid Tim is like. Well, I'm not. I'm not meeting these guys. You know? Like, I'm not getting involved in this. So he puts he puts him on the phone with with me, and the kid's like, "Oh, so I'm not going to come meet you. I'll put the money in a brown paper bag in front of this house on like, you know, 15th Street. Like, here's the and I'm like, I'm like, dude, you are in no position not to trust me. Like, you guys have ripped me off for $400. You're about to try to rip me off again. Right. Like, you guys are in the ripoff business. I'm getting my money back. <laughs> like, you are, you know, fuck you guys. Bring me this money. And finally, this kid agrees. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll come, I'm coming, I'm coming. Don't, don't, you know, don't hurt us. Don't, no, no. And so this fucking, sure enough, this kid shows up, four crisp $100 bills, hands them to me. We, we like give him his friend back <laughs> and the kid rocking back is like I'll never do it again man I'm so sorry oh my and, god uh, so and I ended up getting tickets to the show <laughs> some, For- from some other Craigslisty guy who had real tickets oh my god uh, went to the show and the $400 I had kissed that money goodbye yeah so feeling like you know, I'm Tony Soprano and these are my muscle. <laughs> I take Q and Ryan to Babo and we sit down at the bar and wow. have this amazing Italian dinner that is on, awesome. <laughs> on Ballard. Up next, we have our friend Judd Nikki Mayard, who you know from her hilarious Twitter, at Judd Nikki, and her writing all over the internet. You may not know that she was on tour with New Edition and she talks about it right now. Summer of 2014, I uh, went on tour with New Edition. Yeah. It was called the All Six Tour because all six members were there. Bobby, <laughs> Ralph, Mike. I don't remember everybody right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ron, you know, whatever. <laughs> if you don't know who New Edition is, I can't help you. I was the meet and greet and VIP coordinator, so I just made sure that, you know, everybody got their picture and everybody got to see them. What type of people are you them. dealing with at those meet and greets? Um, for this specific tour, I was dealing with the demographic of black aunties <laughs> from the age of 25 to 50, I would say. Mm. Uh, that's a young 50, by the it's way. It's a young 50. And <laughs> um, interestingly 50-year-old enough, grandmothers that's our, that's our core demo. <laughs> Wait, and where where were these where were these aunties coming from? Um, all over America. It was a domestic uh tour, so we were going all over the South and 
yeah, pretty much all over the South is the best way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> and and we did the Northeast. They're from Boston, so we did the Northeast as well. So these women were basically coming from everywhere. A lot of them were coming to repeat shows at cities that were not close to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, and it was, you know, about, you know, I was doing like 150 people at night. So, I mean, each of these people takes a picture. So... Yeah, it was it was it was a bit it was a bit of a process, um, but I do remember like one of the few days we were we were traveling by bus, and one of the few days that we got off the whole day, and one of the first times I actually spent like any time with a band was we were in Louisville, Kentucky, I think, and we decided to go to the mall to go shopping. I don't really remember how the idea came about. I think we were just all bored out of our minds, <laughs> and so. We went to uh, we went to the mall, and these guys like love shopping for sneakers. So we went to probably every single sneaker store in the mall. And when we stopped for lunch, I ordered a glass of champagne because everyone was ordering a lot of drinks, and I was the only girl. I was there with about like thirteen guys, and I was the only girl. So I ordered a champagne. I was sitting next to Bobby Brown. He like turns over and looks at me. He's like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Great." So anyway. We go shopping. At some point, hours later, when we're almost done, we go into the Cheesecake Factory. I assume we're going to eat because I'm starving, but <laughs> Bobby plops down at the bar. So does the, some of the band members and myself, and he orders his usual, which is a Tito's Vodka Double with a beer chaser. <laughs> and is that not your same drink? <laughs> I'm just like bewildered. You were like, I'll have the same. (laughs) Bewildered, slightly nauseated. And he comes over. He orders me a champagne split and tells the bartender that I'm his girlfriend. And I'm like, dear God. So we have these drinks. We get ready to leave to get back on the bus. And Bobby's paying for the bill. Bobby gets the bill. And I have a $10 bill in my pocket. So I... Foreseeing what is gonna happen, <laughs> pull the ten dollar bill out, and I'm like, I'm gonna pay for my drink, or at least like pay for a portion of my drink, or like throw a tip or whatever, so that it's like very clear that I'm not like letting him buy me a drink. By the way, it paying just... for half of a champagne is called a champagne split. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, I'm just like, all right, cool, and Bobby takes my ten dollar bill. Puts it in his pocket, reaches into his wallet, pulls out his hotel room key, and slides his hotel room key over to me. And I'm just bewildered. <laughs> I'm just in my mind. I'm thinking, why did he take my money? <laughs> I'm like nine steps ahead. I'm like, why is he? T-? I like literally. I don't even. I don't even think I let the card like sit in front of me. I just like slid it back. It was like we were playing like some sort of game, and I was just like, no thanks. And he just like stopped and like looked at me and was like, oh, yeah? Why not? <laughs> Do you ever think about what could have happened? No. <laughs> you could have been Judea I think about Brown. what I could have done my $10. I could have ordered some fries. You I was starving. <laughs> I sort of feel like Casey Kasem right now. How's that? It's like... This next one goes out to Just Dave. By the way, you know why he's named Just Dave? I do. Why is that? Because his name is not David. It's Just Dave. It's Just Dave. So here he is talking about Just the Blackout in 2003. Just Dave. I'm in my crib doing very first world things like light in the kitchen on, 
light in a room I'm not even in on. <laughs> TV in the living room on. AC on in the living room. I'm not in the living room. In my room, my AC on. TV on. My game on. Yo. And I push to turn on my radio and everything goes black. <laughs> <laughs> like literally when I hit radio, it goes hot 90. <laughs> like, oh, shit. I blew out the circuit in the motherfucking crib. I knew I should have turned off all this shit, but I'm home by myself. Nobody can stop me. So I go to the switch box. I'm like, click, 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 click. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be in so much trouble when everybody gets home because I knocked out the power. Maybe if I just leave and say I wasn't home, they won't know, but they would know. So I go outside, and I kind of see, like, everybody else kind of starting to come out their crib. You know, so I lived on a block. That had, like, houses. So people would be coming out their house, like, looking. You know, I know that's rare for New York City is what I'm saying. If you're not from New York, I think everybody lives in a building. <laughs> but at this time, I, I live in a building now. But at that time, I lived in a house. Uh, so everybody's, like, coming out in the neighborhood looking, like, yo, did is your every, power off? Did you think that it was your fault for the entire block? I did. When yeah. I first walked outside, <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. I took out the whole block. <laughs> and then everybody's like, yo, is your power out? I'm like, yeah. But they were mad at me. So I was like, you know. <laughs> I was like, it must be a thing. So my uncle's car... My uncle's car was in the driveway, so I grabbed his keys and I turned on his car to turn on the radio, and then I heard the whole northeast crazy power outage. So then I was like, yeah. wasn't me. Awesome. <laughs> so then I'm like, fuck, it's hot. It was a hot-ass day. If you remember that day, it was hot as yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, New York hot is different because of the tar. So it's like the tar gets heated up, and then, like, when the sun goes down, the heat comes up from the tar, and mm-hmm. it's just it's awful. So it's like, oh, my God, it's, it's blazing hot. So everybody's like, man, what are we going to do? I'm like, man, I don't know. Hopefully this shit come back. And, you know, you didn't know that it was going to be as long as it took. <laughs> Felt like three years. Uh, so you're like, oh, I should be back in an hour or so. I mean, you know, it's just fucking New York City. Like, yeah. you know, two hours later, everybody's outside. You're like, man, I'm hungry. You're like, yeah, but, you know, can't really do anything in the crib like that, you know. So everything is shut down, we thought. <laughs> so one of my, you know, young guys, you know, this kid's probably like eight, nine years old. At the time, I'm like 18. He's like, yo, y'all hungry? Chinese food spot around the corner open. I'm like, word, which one? He's like, yo, the one on the corner. I'm like, how? So we go over there like to investigate. We go over there as a line like down the block. If you're from New York and maybe the East Coast, I, I don't know anything outside of New York when it comes to Chinese food. But if they're open or and or delivering, the disaster is not really a disaster. So what they did was they had like a gas stove and they just literally like cranked it on so it was like from outside you could just see this fire <laughs> this flame yo and it's hot it's really hot as fuck mind you this is not winter time where you're like it's already so i'm like and it's just dark and there's like a dark hole and you just see this red flame <laughs> and you know so i guess you know in their mind they were like yo this food is going to be wasted regardless so we might as well still sell and we're the only shop in town you know, not that my neighbor had a shortage of Chinese food spots, but <laughs> all of them, like, shut down and, you know, went home. This one is going. So, you know, we skipped the line. We get up in there. <laughs> uh, it's in the dark. We order our food. And we had, like, a couple of girls from our block with us. But, you know, we did our order. And then they were going to go next. So, for some reason, after we got our food, my boy decided to fuck with the daughter of the owner of the, the restaurant. <laughs> who was taking the orders and she was already pissed because like she's drenched in sweat like everybody is like when yeah. you step in there it was like picture 100 degrees outside 3,000 degrees inside this uh-huh. place with that fire it was just like the worst he says something to her. I don't even remember what he says he was like not trying to flirt with her but he just like fucking with her for no reason 
And she got so pissed that she shut it down. The whole thing? She was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> and he was like, oh. And the girls that were with us, they were pissed. Like, oh, you stupid motherfuckers. Y'all got, <laughs> y'all got this shit shut down. Everybody's mad. I'm like, hey, we got our food. You know, tough luck. You yeah. made it a disaster twice. Yeah. Once when you shut down the whole block because right. of your, your air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And the second when you shut down the Chinese spot. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you could shut down the Chinese spot, then you really, you the man. Does your family still live there? No. Okay, good. Yeah, better off. Better off. <laughs> Diani Scott works at Hot 97 on Ebro in the Morning. You may know her as Scotty Beam. You may, yeah, you definitely know her as Scotty Beam. She's on Instagram um, getting a lot of likes and thirsty comments. She's your woman crush Wednesday. She, Every uh, day. she shows a different side to herself in this one. I was at this like one shot. Okay, so at HBCUs, I don't know. It's a historically black college. Mm-hmm. I go to Clark. I went to Clark Atlanta University. Um, they have a lot of parties. Whatever. I walk into a house party, which happens to be one of my closest friends, um, Big Mike, and he was having a bomb house party. So you have to take a shot when you get in. Um, Everclear. You were doing every. You know, Everclear, Hennessy. You had to mix it up. Like you couldn't be a pussy. You had to actually drink as much as you can. <laughs> But I was I was on this is when four locals were lit. Mm. So we were drinking four locals and we were a little tips. What? Um everybody was tipsy. <laughs> so we're chilling and I'm like, hey guys, gotta go to the bathroom. So I get up, I mosey on down to the bathroom. I open the door. It's three, and these girls are humongous. <laughs> They're like, okay, one of them was like oh like huge. How do they compare to Big Mike? They were Big Mike. Okay. Like, they were Big Mike in woman form. Like, it was... Well, one of them were. Mm-hmm. She had piercings in her dimples. Mm. Um, she had... I remember, like, some kind... I don't remember what her face looks like. But I remember she had hair to her shoulders and... Her she, big shoulders. Her big-ass shoulders. <laughs> and she was just... She was plump. So we get in... I mean, I get in there, and it's one bathroom. It's not like there's plenty of stalls. It's a house party. It's a bathroom. I open the door, and... <laughs> I open the door and I'm like, oh, and I see three of them together. So I said, which I shouldn't have said, is I don't do that gay shit. I close Good the start. door back. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, hi. I know, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But I thought I mumbled it. I thought it was like, a, <laughs> I don't do that gay shit. So um, I was going to pee in front of nobody. I don't know them like that. And so I could hold it. So I figured, like, okay, cool. And plus, me and my friends have peed on like, peed outside before like you're you're a veteran yeah, <laughs> yeah you've gone to the bathroom before yeah before so she said what you say bitch so i was like let me just make sure she didn't say what i think she said so i opened the door i said what you say she was like <laughs> what did you say i was like i don't do that gay shit it's three girls in the bathroom like what are y'all doing in the bathroom mm-hmm. it's crowded it's a party <laughs> going on like it's lit sounds like a party in the bathroom right, right now. so then she goes well bitch it's three of us and one of you <laughs> so I said true I closed the door behind me mm-hmm. In the bathroom Because I wanted to see What they was going to do She t- touches my hand And she goes Don't call your niggas I said alright Close the door behind me Because wow. I, I was like Okay I'm going to get my ass beat I'm going to do it Yo, Private s- Some movie shit So we close it And I hit first What? I hit the biggest bitch I held on to her and I just kept hitting her, kept oh hitting her, kept hitting her. So then her friends are kind of shocked because I guess they thought that I would go after her or one of the smaller ones right. because 
I'm like, no, you got to focus on the big one. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's how you, that's the biggest catch. Right. (laughs) So I'm fighting her and she has dimples in her, um, piercings in her dimples. So. And you ripped them out. I'm trying to, you know, make her bleed as much as possible. (laughs) So then she falls into the bathroom. I mean, into the um, tub. And so I'm, I'm like still working on her, working on her because I don't want. So then her friends are trying to tug me back, like pull me. Of course. And then like strangle me from behind and like pull me off of her. No, I'm not getting off of her. Y'all have, you better call my friends. You told me not to call my, <laughs> y'all better call her because I'm going to kill your friend. I'm a killer. Right. So working on her, working on her. And then finally I pulled her out of the tub, pulled her to, I don't know where I got the strength because she was heavy. <laughs> Pulled her to the corner, and th- by the way, he has a nice bathroom. Shit is crashing. Used to. <laughs> Stuff, yeah. Stuff is, like, falling, glass. I remember there was this nice little weird fancy Potpourri. thing. That was, it, no, it was like a stand where he kept all his, you know, wash and stuff like that, and it crashed and fell. <laughs> it was horrible. So I put her against the, the corner of the bathroom, and I parted her hair, and I remember I just bought the Space Jams. And these this are my favorite sneakers. I put my foot on her face. Ooh. And then... <laughs> this sounds so violent. <laughs> Wait. Are you surprised that this sounds so violent? I mean, no, <laughs> when I tell it, like, I usually don't tell it. People usually do the telling because, like, by this time... Because you're a legend now. No, 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 no. Because you this were... this time, people yeah. have already opened the door and said, oh, shit, Deani is fighting. You know what I'm saying? And then finally my friends are like what what and everybody's (laughs) trying to figure it out so i put my foot on her face and i had figured if they stopped pulling my hair and pulling me (laughs) they would notice that the more they pull the more her face goes into my shoe oh my god so you can't keep pulling me so (laughs) when they noticed that i said the more you pull the more she's gonna bleed oh my god and they stopped and they were like please 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 (laughs) Please. So then finally, everybody's like, oh, shit, oh, shit. So then they picked me up because I think uh, I think it was Big Mike or somebody else that was huge had picked me up. And, like, they had pushed me all the way back to the bathroom. You crowd My glasses were, Yeah, I had no glasses when I was blind. This is before the laser eye vision stuff. And so I had my Blackberry somewhere. My glasses were gone. Stuff was clashed all over the floor. They didn't even go to our school. <laughs> like, I didn't know them. And so Q is, like, losing my best friend. She's losing her mind. She's like, where is everybody? Somebody's going to get killed. And I was like, bro, it's over. I was trying to call you, but you're, you know, they told me not to call my niggas. So Yo. I had to, whatever. So then after that, you know, I got a long talking to from everybody. <laughs> everybody was like, Deanna was violent. Like, she could have died because of the blood. I don't think it was that much. Though. It was just like... Blood but on you her couldn't face. see, first of all, because you weren't wearing your glasses. Right. I didn't. And that's the reason why I think I went so hard because I could not see. There was no. I, my eyes are hard. I have stigmatism in both eyes. Like, there's no way. Yo. You know what I call Diani and three other girls in that bathroom? What? For Loco. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Shinsuke Ikeda is a great friend of ours. I've known him since middle school. Here he is talking about the time we went on a ski trip. This was sophomore year. 
January of high school. High school. Yeah. This was yeah. junior year. Was it junior? Year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Already we're getting facts mixed up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we all decided. A bunch of us decided to take a ski trip up to I think somewhere in the Catskills. Somewhere in the Catskills. Yeah. yeah. And we we're staying at our friend's, I guess, in a way, relative's house. Uh, there was like maybe eight or nine of us, uh, two cars. The two drivers are Greg and Rich, mm-hmm. and I was in Rich's car. We were going to stay at all our friend Greg's place, which obviously we all grew up with too. It all started with staying at Greg's house, right? where we slept over. But our driver, Rich, had a little interruption at night because he got a call from one of the girls that he knows that had a flat tire. So middle of the night, around 2 a.m., she had to go out help the girl fix a tire. What a gentleman. What a gentleman. Always. As I always. mean, Rich is the nicest. Rich is he the is. best. The yeah. best. So we, the next morning we wake up, I think we woke up pretty early, like yeah. five. I mean, well, none of us slept anyway, so no, it's not yeah. like, yeah. And so Rich even got less sleep yeah. because he had to go out for that. Yeah. And on top of that, he actually left early to get donuts and coffee for all of us. Again, yeah. Rich, yeah. Is, Rich the is the gentleman. Always yeah. the best. So we hop in the car, we go directly to the slopes to go skiing. And it was actually one of the, one of the winters, like it's always been in the past like 10 years or so, one of the warmer, warmer winters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get on the slopes, we're skiing. Well, real, real, real quick, real quick. Oh, yeah. yeah, I should break in here. There are nine of us, probably. I don't know how to ski. Dan doesn't know how to ski. Our brother Dan, yeah. yeah. Keith doesn't know how to ski. Uh, uh, Shin, you are an expert skier. Uh, no, no, not an expert. Oh, okay. good. But you're, you're, you're good. good. Yeah. Greg is good. Yeah. Uh, Bob, Bob is, is good. good. Right. Yep. Um, Rich? Rich is good also, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. So those are the main players. And Decker. Yeah. And yeah. Decker. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. So, so with the slopes. With slopes. We noticed that it's really... Sort of wet, sort of icy, not really. But also really warm. Also really warm. And so how, how does that affect the skiing? A lot because you can't get a good cut in the snow. And Let me sliding. tell you how it affected my skiing. Yes. Because we immediately went on a, um, not bunny hill, we went on like a blue uh, circle or whatever. Yeah, like not Yeah, reference. like an intermediate type course. Mm-hmm. And Dan had been told by our mom, she's Jewish, and so she worries. Sure. And so she's like, hey, it's a mountain. You should dress up, like, a lot of layers. Dan wears way too many and begins throwing up on the side of the mountain. He's so, so like, hot. He's overheated. So he's yeah. down. He's Dan, out. Dan's down. I see this, and, and I'm like, oh, I should probably stop. No one has ever taught me how to stop. And so I uh, immediately almost fall off the side of the mountain and wrap myself around a tree, but somehow end up like totally fine. So the day's winding down. It's uh, like maybe 4.30. The last run, I think the the last trip on the lift is like 5 o'clock. Right. So a bunch of us who are sort of, you know, uh, at least experienced skiers were like, let's go for the last last run. Of course, we decide to go for the, the hardest, the double black diamond. So we all get to the very top. And now at this point, the sun is going down. So visibility low. Visibility low and also icy. Icy because the second the sun goes down, it gets cold enough that everything that started to melt during the day starts to actually start to freeze again. So we get to the top. One of our friend Bob is like, I am not doing this. And he just starts to sidestep back up to the lift. Well, go Bob down is this. very smart. He got a 1600 he, on the SATs. Yep. Smart man. Three of us there, myself, Rich, and Greg. Greg is actually the most experienced out of all of us. Right. He's like, I'll, I got this. It goes down. Right. He's no pussy. <laughs> <laughs> cuts to the left, cuts to the right, cuts to the left, and then his skis cross and he falls and he tumbles a bit, maybe like another 10, 15 feet. He stops, he sits up, he looks at us, you know, gives it a thumbs up and he goes, I'm all right. And so we're just like, oh, great. The, the best gear went down pretty quickly. And I'm just like, okay, I, let me just get this over. I'm going to go down. <laughs> I go down. Maybe I cut once or twice. 
my skis cross, I start to fall. I start to tumble. And I'm, first of all, heading towards Greg with both of my skis still on. And then one of them pops up on the way. And then I still see him and I'm tumbling, tumbling. And then I'm like, I got to do something because I'm going directly at Greg. And I don't know what's going to happen with the skis. Right. It's exactly like Indiana Jones. Exactly. (laughs) And then I lift up, just consciously lift up in a way that I think will get over his head. And so I move it and I don't feel any like a bump against my ski. So I'm like, good. I cleared him, but I know it was really close to hitting his head. Turns out it was like two to three inches. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. He so ducked. you flew over him. My, my, the ski, the ski actually, does. the ski, yeah. Yeah, 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 as yeah, I yeah. consciously lifted it, ski ran over his head. Oh. I'm tumbling and I can't stop because the, the slope is complete ice. It's like just slide. I'm sliding everywhere and I'm actually now clawing the hill at this point because I can't stop from the corner of my eye. I see the ski that popped off me coming towards right at me and then boom, right in the face. Like right, like underneath your nose, above your mouth. Above my mouth, just square, square hit. And I just feel this impact, just like, oop, I definitely did something wrong. Ugh. And the reason why it didn't stop was because obviously anyone who knows, you know, skiing, the skis have brakes on them that the second they pop off, these little two prongs pop out at the bottom. But because it was icy. The prongs didn't stick into the snow. It just kept gliding. So the ski just like hits you square on. Just square. Square on. Which in a way it was good and also was bad. Uh, uh, it was good because if it actually sl- sort of slid across my face, my face would have been completely open. Oh. But yeah, you be- would have looked like Mano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but because it was an impact wound, it was – there was a cut. From the actual just impact. Right. So I finally stop. I sit up. And I'm like, I know there's something wrong. And I haven't even looked up yet. I sit up and I just feel the inside of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, there's a cut right there. I'm like, oh, man, but there's I could taste a lot of blood in my mouth. There's something really wrong. And I don't know where it's coming from. And I just spit. Just blood just comes out of my mouth. Ugh. And then I'm feeling around my face. And I'm like, what, what is going on? Because the, it's, the cut is too small for my inside of my mouth. And then my finger just sinks into my face. Ugh. And I'm like, there it is. It's right there. That's <laughs> yeah. it. That is the hole that is producing all this blood. So it's like you're a doctor. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, I, and I just sit up. I actually didn't even look up. I just put my hand up. I said, and, I have a cut. And you immediately just started running down the hill. I just started, yeah, pretty much running down the hill. <laughs> you end up going to the, the, I guess, the lodge. I always forget the, the area where they have all the equipment or whatever. And they're like, we could stitch you up here, but it's not going to be a good job. We have to go to, it'll be best if you go to the hospital, which is like an hour and a half away and all that. Right. So, Rich drives you. Rich is the nicest. nicest, What a gentleman. I'll take you there. Rich Uh, has been up for approximately, I don't know, 36 uh, hours at this point. Yeah, not much sleep. And then very little to eat because we barely ate for lunch also. Yeah. So, we head to the hospital. And whatever we ate, Dan threw up pretty much. (laughs) And then we head to the hospital. We're sitting in the emergency room. The doctor finally comes in and is like, oh... Uh, why don't you lay down, clean the clean the blood out and everything? So I said I lay down. They put the dressing on my face and started flushing the 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 wound out. And then my friend, obviously Rich, is videotaping this whole thing. I'm hearing him sort of like collect everything up and then move move away from the chair. And then I heard the doctor say, "Oh, you're feeling a little woozy." And my friend's like, "Yeah, we woke up early. We didn't eat much, skiing all day." It's like, oh, "Okay." So he walks out the door, and I'm still laying down on the bed. You know, the doctor's still working on me. And then all of a sudden, she sits up and walks out the door. And I'm sitting there for a couple of seconds in this small room. No one's talking. Obviously, no one else is there. And then the doctor comes back in and is like, what's your friend's name? I'm like, well, R- Rich? R- yeah, his, my friend's name is Rich. Okay. Walks out. 
door's still closed. I'm by myself still <laughs> in, in the room. And the dressing's on my face. Like, my face is covered. I don't see anything except for this little shit right in front of my face. What the hell, what the hell's going on? And then I heard the door open. And so I, I take the dressing off my face so I could see what's going on. And I look to my right where the door was. And all I see is a pair of legs to the, on the ground with his toes just facing up. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I started laughing my ass off because I knew exactly what happened. Rich is dead. Rich is, Rich dead. is dead. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. What happened was <clears throat> immediately when he realized that he was feeling woozy he walked out the second he stepped right outside the door he just fainted and face planted and cut his chin open oh. chipped his tooth <laughs> and also got another cut on his eye and now he has a concussion and so there's a picture i, I wish i could find there. there's a picture of both of us i'm still dressed like all ragged because i've been skiing all day i'm looking dirty and i got the cuts and there's blood on my jacket and i have a stitch on my ch- uh, on my lip and then rich has like a bruised eyebrow mm-hmm. chipped tooth and then the cut on his chin and he's looking scraggly and dirty uh and this was the first day of our skiing trip yeah by so. the way this is exactly like final destination That's like right. it was like <laughs> first dan then me then uh uh almost greg almost greg yeah you, Rich. Yeah, Bob's the only one really who got away like Scott Free. Really smart. Yeah. Yeah. 1600. 1600. <laughs> Next up, we have our friend Eric Ramirez, formerly of Billboard Magazine, current editor in chief of ILY Magazine. And she's talking about the ride of her life. Woo! So I don't remember what Project Consequence was promoting at the time, but he, I believe that he emailed me and just said, like come downstairs you were working at i was working at billboard i think yeah. it was like my second or third year in at billboard and consequences manager at the time was emailing me about a project that he was working on and all of a sudden it was like 12 or 1 p.m and i, I got an email from consequence being like come downstairs so i told my coworker jason like in case like i get kidnapped or like anything happens FYI, I'm going to be downstairs, I guess, with consequence. So he emails you and says, come downstairs. Come downstairs. That's all that's in the email. And you're like, no problem. You know, it's, <laughs> like it's out of respect. It's consequence. Like, so it's, you know, in my mind, it's college dropout consequence. So I go downstairs and I can't remember what car I told you that he was driving. What car? It was a Mercedes. It was, Mercedes. It was, yeah. it was two seater. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. And his manager was in the front, in the passenger seat and he was driving and he's like, I want to play you the the project. Um, in his car. In in uh, he's like, yeah, let's like drive around and I'll play you like the album. And I believe this was like when everything, all the drama was going on between him and Kanye, um, bef- like right before they settled everything. I'm like, yeah, no, like what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, let's like drive around. I just want to play you the album in my. Well, I, first of all, I'm asked, like, where do I get in? Like, where can I fit? Cause, mm-hmm. So he makes his manager get in the backseat, <laughs> like, non-existent backseat. And we drive around Soho, and he's playing me this album, and they're pre- it's pretty much filled with, like, all diss songs at Kanye. And we, I think we park, we park in front of, like, a waffle spot. As he's talking to me, he's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, like, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of Kanye. And I was like, like, after this, you can't do this anymore. And he's just like, what do you mean? I was like, there's just too much, like, too much Kanye. Like, it's, we, like, we get it. And I was like, no disrespect, but, like, we get it. And he's like, okay. He's like, I, like, something along the lines of, like, I feel you understand. But not exactly and what he wanted to hear. Absolutely not. So as we're yeah. talking, we're out of the car, by the way, because we're getting, like, ice cream and, and waffles. Uh, we're out of the car. He <laughs> this gets, is a full, full service operation. T- yes. Did he pay for the waffles? He did. Okay. Oh, what a gentleman. Yeah. So he gets, like, a ticket. 
a parking ticket <laughs> while we are discussing the project and eating ice cream and all that good stuff. Oh. I know. And I feel so bad because... Well, I actually don't feel bad. I'm not the one that asked for like ice cream and waffles sure. or whatever. But you also didn't ask to listen to his album. I, I didn't. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Why not? So he drove you around Soho to listen to his album. You got some... Yes. Waffles and ice cream. Yes. And he and all he got was a ticket. Jamal Jamal is a lot of things to a lot of people. He was a 30 under 30 person and could still possibly be. Sure, he's worked in the music industry for a long time. But most importantly, he's a sneaker influencer. Here he is talking about holiday parties. I was new to Def Jam. I had previously worked in admin services, so I was on the outside looking in and didn't get invited to anything because I was a temp. Damn. So, yeah, it's it's rough out here, man. Nobody (laughs) cares about the little guy. Um so after I'd worked in admin services, I'd worked my way in and I'd been brought on to do digital media and marketing uh, before it was digital media and marketing when it was editing MySpace pages and, you know, doing shit like that on putting Giphy and, you know, like sparkling. Oh, this was before the moving image, my friend. Oh, well, yeah, no, but sparkling. <laughs> yes. So I guess there were moving images, but like flash headers and all sorts of other. Did you ever put yourself into someone's top eight? I put myself into everybody's <laughs> top eight. I, Mariah, Rihanna, I was selling top eight placements and. <laughs> and um, a good friend of mine who who I also worked with, um, who shall remain nameless, mm-hmm. but uh, who rapped, that probably just gave it away, um, was working on his stuff at the time, and we'd like hire him to do stuff for us, but he wanted to get his work to Sycamore. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uh, like he asked for access to the page, and he put Sycamore in Rihanna's top eight wow. for a uh, famous firm. uh Wow. Listen and look. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I couldn't even knock it. I was like, I'm doing the same shit. I was, you know, for concert tickets and, you know, the occasional bit of money and bottle of champagne, I would let people get into Mariah's Top 8 <laughs> or Bon Jovi or some people like that. Um, you know, they never really checked it. But when they did, it was always hilarious because it was me, three of my friends, and then some other randoms who were in their Top 8. <laughs> No label mates, nothing else. Nobody that like mattered. Like the killers were in the were in, like the bravery's top eight. It was just all over the place. I didn't. Um, so yeah, as, as I'm working at the label, you know, come the end of the year, it's holiday party season, and I'd never indulged. Like I'd gone to like family holiday parties, which I don't know if anybody's family has ever had a holiday party, but they're not that fun. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of oh my god, look at you, you're so. Enter adjective here. Mm. Fat, skinny, tall, short, lonely, um, <laughs> any number of things. And so I never, you know, like I, you know, family holiday parties were, you know, whatever they were. So this is my first time like at a holiday party, holiday party. And I had no idea that there were seasons for holiday parties. Uh, so a friend of mine from the label um, who worked in publicity, she's like, we're going to a holiday party tonight. And I was like, sure. Uh, I have an unlimited Metro card. And, you know. <laughs> devil may care attitude uh so she takes us to this holiday party and she says the only thing you need to know is that if anybody throws you out or tries to throw you out just say it's fine phil invited me i was like who's phil and my friend said yeah it would help if we know who phil was she's like no it's cool it's my brother's dad not my brother sorry it's my friend's dad it's fine just him and his brother are perfectly cool with you being here but if anybody else isn't just say phil is cool with you being here we go to this party and we see what's going on there. Um, and it's a standard. Sorry, I, I said that like it was some eyes wide shut. It's not <laughs> nearly that. Um, I was more like, because we're coming from a record label. And like we're coming from the digital department at a record label. So we're not exactly dressed for 
uh, for a holiday party. We're dressed like gym teachers on uh, on Rumspringa. Like we looked, <laughs> her, like we looked horrendous. I was in uh, aqua. I mean, I, I look jiggy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, 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 I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. like for a holiday party, I looked her. I had on like <laughs> uh, Columbia coat and aqua Aniche zip up underneath. Ooh. Yeah, no, I was killing. I was killing. Uh, <laughs> some Aniche jeans and some Jordans that matched the Aniche. Like I had some yeah, some super matchy matchy. No, yeah. I was I was I was killing everything matched down. I might have been wearing aqua drawers. Like I was <laughs> I was doing it for the for the squad at that point. Yeah. Um, and like so we're like we're in. We're in like label wares. Like we walk into a conference room, we're okay, but like you can't really go to a corporate holiday party dressed like Dame Dash. And <laughs> as it happened, it was a corporate holiday party for a law firm, not one of those hip young, like oh we get it and we love music law firms. One of those like corporate law, just like very like stuffy. Yeah. Until they have a holiday party type right. law firms. And so, <laughs> so you're blending in. Oh. Like nothing you'd ever seen before. <laughs> Only thing we know is to go drinking. So it's me, my friend Berman, my boy Brian. I'm standing by the bar, one of four black people at this party. And so, like, I'm there, by far the youngest black guy there. Uh, and I'm just, I'm at the bar, I'm ordering drinks for people. I'm just like, oh no, get whatever you want. My tab is open. Did your liqueur match your clothing? It did not. I was not so drinking, drinking hypnotic. hypnotic. No okay. hypnotic at gotcha, the point. Gotcha, no, gotcha. no hypnotic. Um, I was keeping it very classy <laughs> and I was doing vodka and soda. All right. Mm. Uh, until they introduced me to whiskey, which I hadn't been touching at the point. This is ages ago, but I was like, "Fuck it, I'm drinking everything. It's here. Might as well um, sue me." And I might have, <laughs> I might have had one or two apple teenies. I don't know. Um, and tequila shots. Like I mixed, I mixed everything that night. Woman walks up, and she's like, "Who do you guys know here?" At this point, we're three sheets to the wind. We're here with Phil, <laughs> and she looks at us, nods, and walks away. There's food being passed around. We spot a cookie tray. Mm. We go catch up with the cookie tray. <laughs> My friend Brian and I, we're getting cookies, and we see these two women sitting by the coat check. And we're drunk. Liquor makes you charming. So we're like, <laughs> what the fuck? We might as well talk to them. So we start talking to these women, and it's going well. I start making out with mine. I don't know what Brian does. It goes on for maybe three minutes, uh, which is a really long time to make out, by the way. If anybody ever says that, like, oh, we were making out for like an hour, they're lying because that is way too long <laughs> to be sucking face with anybody. It's just disgusting. So, like, we're, we make out for this little bit of time, and she's like, do you want to get out of here? And I was like, I would love to. <laughs> she's like, alright, so my rates are... Woo! Yeah. So oh. that's what happens at corporate formality <laughs> parties sometimes. Is they have escorts. Um, you fell in love with a stripper. I <laughs> fell in love with a whore. Um, <laughs> so I go outside. I set my tongue on fire and <laughs> immediately stamp it out in the street. Um, I'm too drunk to give a shit. And I was like, oh, I just need to go to an ATM. Um, <laughs> I walk away, never coming back. And I go back to the bar. And then this woman comes over. With an older white guy. And <laughs> exactly. Uh, so she's like, So who did you guys say you're here with? I was like, I'm here with Phil, my fucking guy Phil. You want a drink? I'm buying. She's like, The bar is open. I was like, I know, but I'm the guy tipping. Yeah, yeah. And she's <laughs> like, Um, and he's like, I'll have a drink. I was like, Absolutely. And what's your name, friend? He said, I'm Phil. Oh. And we look at him, we're like, Phil! <laughs> Um, and at this point, I hand my phone to my friend Brian. Uh, I wrap my arm around the young lady. Uh, the young lady. The I wrap my arm around Phil's wife. Oh, my God. And put my arm around Phil. Oh, my God. 
and we snap a picture. Yes. And we kept partying, and, and we had an absolute <laughs> blast. Uh, the following year, I did not go to the party, nor did Brian, but Berman went. And when he went, he pulled up the picture of me, Phil, and Mrs. Phil on his <laughs> Blackberry and took a picture with it, or took a picture of him with his arms wrapped around Phil and Mrs. Phil. Oh, my God. And his Blackberry with a picture of me, Phil, and Mrs. Phil tucked into Mrs. Phil's cleavage. We've known Emeka Obi for like six of his business cards. At least. So here he is talking about the time that Danny Brown first started going and performing at festivals. You know when you meet a rapper and he kind of, his his genuine joviality makes you really be, want to check out his music. Like, oh, that guy is really nice. I'm going to check out his album. For sure. Yeah. Um, these guys, they were the probably the nicest people that I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And I have no inkling on ever listening to their music ever. <laughs> it was this is it's, this is kind of a story about how I first met the insane clown posse. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I managed this rapper named Danny Brown. At the time, we were touring. We were touring a lot. We were going uh, to uh, we were doing state to state, not really doing like full tours, but we were we had we got bookings in every college town and every uh, festival. So it it was festival season. It was like. You're doing Bonnaroo, you're doing Soundset, you're doing all the major festivals. Uh, booking agent calls and he's like, I have this booking for you guys. I don't think you're going to want to do it. You're probably going to hate it. <laughs> These guys are requesting it, but it's, you know, it's shaky. So he's he's like, he sends over the offer and it was for the Gathering of the Juggalos. Right. And at, at this point, what do you know about the Gathering of the Juggalos? I knew everything about the Gathering of the Juggalos, honestly. Honestly. Because like the batteries? I, I knew about the batteries. I knew about Tila Tequila getting hit in the head with rocks yeah. while she performed. Yeah. I knew about, I think it was the Wu-Tang Clan got pelted. Mm-hmm. With but, the, but you also knew that everyone who goes there is part of the family. So you roll you roll into their like environment. Do they have like armed guards at like the the entrance or anything? No, honestly, they um, they had a real big production like set up so there were a lot of people involved in what that was which was really cool to me that they were able to basically create this organized uh this organized efficient structure within the bowels of hell (laughs) (laughs) you know it was like we were in the middle of nowhere the the like where we stayed our hotel was in some sort of civilization (laughs) there was a there was a Denny's down the block, so that kind of was the only indication. Sure, that, right, know, that, fine cuisine. That people, <laughs> people might frequent this place. Yeah, you know, we were quickly schooled on how to maneuver through the Juggalo scene. Um, our guide took us through and said, "When you see a Juggalo, and a Juggalo says whoop whoop, you gotta say whoop whoop. Right. If you don't say whoop whoop, that means you're here. You're an interloper." You are. It's the exact same thing as when you go to Paris and you say bonjour. Someone must say bonjour back. Somebody got to hit them back with the call and response thing. So when somebody says whoop whoop, you say whoop whoop. You got to say it with feeling, or it's like, I. It's very skeptical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you, the feds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we. When we were all for it, though, you know, being able to like walking through the street, making noise, like oh, whatever, <laughs> you know, um, I saw a school bus go by with the top taking off of it. 
Like the entire top of this school bus is gone. It's like, it's like a convertible school bus. And it drives by and a whole bunch of topless women in face paint <laughs> are shaking bats <laughs> at people. Like they had this thing called the drug bridge where you it's it's an actual literal bridge and you'll walk through and you'd be able to get any possible drug that existed. So it's not just a clever name. <laughs> it yeah, was, yeah. Very, it was a literal, yeah. It's a very literal thing that I'm talking about right now. Um, it's like fear and loathing in Las Vegas <laughs> over water. <laughs> Ooh. Over a stretch of water. Yeah. yeah. We were told that the way the juggalos showed their appreciation was that they they threw things at you. <laughs> so they so they explained to us that that whole thing with Tila Tequila, like she didn't understand that that's how Juggalos kind of like showed their love. Wow, there's a lot of things that she doesn't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's a flat earther. By her kind of like reacting in the manner that she did, then they got violent. So that's what the the, the contention was there. It's like she kind of like she goaded them into actual violence instead of the pretend violence. Like Danny performed and they were into it. People were into it. Uh, nobody threw any. Well, somebody did throw something actually. Somebody threw a bottle of Fago <laughs> at Danny's head, and miraculously, the bottle's coming at his head. His hype man runs out, catches the bottle right before it hits his face, opens it up takes a swig holy shit oh. <laughs> that's like space uh, like uh not space jam that's like nba jam yeah, yeah. <laughs> and literally he like so when he catches the bottle and drinks from it everybody goes nuts, nuts. <laughs> oh my god so the oh you guys are in now performance was a smash they were all about it so we are like right after the performance Danny's like walking by the gates and people are like yo we loved it you loved it. I don't know you but I love you <laughs> Man, we, you killed it you killed it so he gained like a whole bunch of Juggalo fans at that time at the end of the, sh- end of the show end of the day Violent J Shaggy 2 Dope <laughs> appear in, in the little trailer park that they have us kind of penned in and, and they were huge fans of Danny they were huge fans and they sat and they kicked it and they were like you know what let us show you around the compound. Let's oh. show you around. So they uh, they get a golf cart. We get in a golf cart. Real quick, they're in full makeup. They're full makeup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Full yeah. Yeah, Does like, Kiss go around without their makeup? Uh, not until they did unplug. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I would actually, I would actually be afraid if they showed up without me. <laughs> you know, I feel like, the, like, don't break the the image that they I got you. Yeah, sure. Head, you know, don't crush my dreams. Right. I, I need. That, you know? <laughs> um. So. They put us. We get in this golf cart. So it's us. It's me, Danny, uh, his DJ Skywalker, and the and Shaggy Two Dope and Violent J. I think Violent J was driving. So we're riding around a compound. He's like, give. He's giving us the whole rundown of the history of Juggalo culture. <laughs> uh, I'm hearing everything. Like I'm hearing tidbits of wisdom. I wish I had like my notebook with me. I'm like, yo, this is like I'm talking to Deepak Chopra right here. <laughs> Did you, you know? hear any miracles? Uh, yo, I know how Magnus work now. <laughs> um, so we're riding around. He's pointing out, oh, well, this is the this is where you get the funnel cake. I'm like, dude, I know. Yeah. Trust. <laughs> Fall back. Let's let's skip to another subject. Um, so, unbeknownst to me, the strength of the of of juggalo knowledge. <laughs> We're rolling through. 
And I didn't know, I didn't get a real grasp of how important they were to their people until we're riding through and this girl just yells out, it's them, it's them. And have you ever seen the movie 28 Days Later? Yes. yes. Like it was a turn in cinema where the zombies actually got the ability to run. You know, so it was it was revolutionary in the manner that it <laughs> portrays zombies. I felt a twenty eight days later <laughs> moment occur when that young woman screamed that those two words is them. Oh, but you saw a drove of people just turn their heads and then take flight right <laughs> after the go kart. I'm talking about people were hopping fences, people were climbing on top of uh, of of stands, people were jumping over hills, like people started chasing us. It was like a fucking tsunami of people swarming towards us and we're in a golf cart and and we're like go faster. <laughs> <laughs> go faster. We do not I do not need to be involved in any of things this whatever's going to happen right now, I don't want to be part of this. Where's the destination? Are you just trying to get make it past the drug bridge? We were, like is there like <laughs> at that a point line? We just, let's just let's let's get back to to a civilized pending area where we might not actually be, be torn apart by people in face makeup. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like it's like the the Beatles or like, like or Khaled fan love or something. I, I don't want my obituary to read torn apart by clown. <laughs> by the way, I sort of like that obituary. <laughs> I mean, I've always thought that if I was going to die, I would want it to be on the news. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be the, like that's probably the closest way to be. Like, but it'd be on the, like the Paducah County. That's right. Yeah, yeah. cable access. <laughs> yeah. Golf cart is booking. Like, that shit is doing numbers. <laughs> like, 15, was, 16. That's right, yeah. 17. Hits the governor, and yeah. it's just like... You're- well, luckily, the juggalos aren't really that, uh, that um, you know, well... They don't. They don't run fast. Yeah, I think the the exercise regimen is exercise regimen at the Juggalo headquarters might be a little uh, lacking. You know, <laughs> like Fago is is their Gatorade. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're booking it. We're we're out of there. I start. You start hearing people yelling like, "Yo, I love you. I, I love you. Like, yo, you, I, I need your autograph. Yo, can you sign this?" So he's going through, and people are like. Of course, catching up because we're in a fucking golf cart. So <laughs> he's like signing things, and like people are like, "Yo, touch me! I, yo, touch my stomach! I'm pregnant! I'm about, I want you! To, I'm gonna be blessed by the yeah. blessed by the Juggalo gods, <laughs> you know, uh, little Hatchet Man, or whatever." <laughs> like people are like like people are like, "Yo, can you like talk to my dog? Um, you know, my 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 dog like broke his leg, and, and like I need you to like talk him back to." <laughs> health some shit like he's like he's literally like they felt like he was like a miracle worker like he was um like some sort of svengali that would be able to uplift them from their normal lives into juggalo heaven you know uh is there any proof that that's not true (laughs) no i mean i figured they're there for a reason (laughs) you know like this the the cult uh, every cult needs a leader man yeah and they There's two it. of them. <laughs> yeah, they were it. Um, it's them. We're riding past, and we ride past one of the the booths. It might be a food stand or something like that. I hear the thump of a human body landing on top of the golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and it was a girl, and she's poking her head down into the golf cart, and like basically almost face to face with uh, Violent J while he's driving the <laughs> golf cart. This is like Jurassic Park. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it was like a very uh, Raptors chasing, <laughs> <laughs> chasing an industrial vehicle That's sort right. of moment. Yeah. So they, she, she, she pokes her head down, and they're face to face, like like Spider Man kissing <laughs> Kristen Dunst <laughs> yeah. in the rain, and she's like, "I need you to fuck me. I want you to fill up all of my holes." Wow, like that was. The statement that she chose to make. <laughs> so she's playing hard to get. When face to face with her God, mm-hmm. that's the statement that she chose to make. Did he respond, whoop, whoop? <laughs> we got to a point where you just had to run. We basically all just got out of the, the golf cart. We <laughs> used all of our all of our newfound juggalo strength that we got from drinking a lot of Fago. Yep. We used that to get to it's back into the pen. Meanwhile, uh, the golf cart was just like eaten by all yeah. the juggalos on top. <laughs> yeah, so we make it back to civilization, and um, and Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope, they were just like, that's 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 what happens. The that's juggalo happens. way. That's, this is you said they our people have so much love in them that it comes out in a very. Uh, Mass murder-ish, violent mob mentality. <laughs> Listen, people are just out here just trying to get their holes filled, you know? That's right. <laughs> Shoo, we are just speeding through these. This next story comes from Loki of You Heard That New, talking about the first time you went to a Def Jam presentation. Bow! I was working at BTA.com as a journalist back in 2008. I got hired in 2008, let go in 2011. So around 2009, they have a spring open house, right, where they invite key industry tastemakers, executives from different publications and, you know, platforms, whatever, to view their new music, videos, all the stuff that they're rolling out for the rest of the year. Right. We were not invited. No. <laughs> I was only invited because I was with my boss who was in, like, a high-key executive at BT at the time so it was me Andreas Hall Rhonda Cohen and uh, Denmark who was the head of our digital department so we were all there um, and Rhonda you know still friends with her today she was very hung up on the flip cam and taking pictures and like making sure that people knew we were in key places at key times so I was like cool at the time um, I had this bullshit digital blue camera that you know I would go around and take pictures with so she's like, listen, you know, uh, L.A. Reid and they're all there. And Rihanna, I think Rihanna was there. And she's like, go backstage and take pictures with them. Like, go find them and take pictures with them. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, also sure that none of these people wanted you to take pictures. No, none at all. Right. So I was really apprehensive about doing it. So she's running back there with me and like making me take pictures. And the camera didn't work. So those pictures never came out. Like she had a picture with Rihanna. So to the meat of the story, um, we're sitting in the front row, right? And it's this huge projector screen and Ellie Reed's at the podium. He's talking about, you know, all the people that are coming out. This is like Justin Bieber coming out. Fab was dropping, uh, Loso's way and, uh, the dream was dropping his second album. Kanye had 808s and heartbreaks. Um, and at the time, LA Reed was running Def Jam. Was running Def Jam at the time. I think he had just not just started, but like, you know, just really getting his footing right. So, they're debuting all these videos. And at the time, you know, you weren't supposed to have flip cams 
in these kind of events. But they didn't have the signs up how they do now, like no recording, no none of that stuff. Well, so because it was so new. Yeah, it was very new at the time. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, got my flip cam. Like that camera worked. Not the, the the regular camera, but this camera works. I'm like, bet. Like, no one told me anything. No one said I couldn't do it. I'm the new guy at BT, the young guy running around, drinking, going to all the bars. Listen, you're here to make your mark. Right. right? Yeah. Leaking music, all this stuff. So, first video rolls out. I think it's fucking Justin Bieber. Record it, whatever. Second video rolls out. It's Fab. One of the intros from the um, Loso's Way. Then it's the Dream and Kanye walking on the moon. And then it's Kanye, Um, I think, Welcome to Heartbreak, where Rihanna had first came back after you know the unfortunate incident with chris brown so these videos are just like perfect i'm like oh this is this is gonna make my mark i'm i'm gonna be that nigga so ronda's like record it just record all of it mind you they're like ronda's right here andres is to my left and denmark is maybe like two seats over and like we're dead in the front row and we're so close that la re could see the red light but not he didn't say anything like it's a pitch black room with a fucking camera just moving like this the entire time. So I'm thinking, like, he's, he's not blind. He has fucking glasses on, so he's going to be able to see it and tell me to wait and, and wave the camera down. Yeah. Doesn't do that. So I'm like, okay, this is perfect. So I'm like, hey, Rhonda, I got all this stuff on video. She's like, all right, go back to the office, upload this shit to, to the blogs. We're going to be the best thing up, you know, smoking next morning. I'm yep. like, perfect. Hell yeah, I'm going to do that shit. <laughs> That's right. We're going to be the best. MTV, Rolling Stone, they're all going to be at our fucking feet. All that shit. So I go back to the office, do all my shit, and then I put it on my blog. Publish everything. I didn't have my computer at home, so I couldn't really see what was going on. Oh, and but you went to sleep thinking, like... I went to sleep, yo, like, this is going to be the <laughs> yo, fucking... You're going to be... You're the man. Right. Yeah. So, and I don't think Twitter was, like, that prominent where people are retweeting, like, the posts and everything, so you can't really see... Right, it was all manual retweets. Exactly, anyway, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I go to sleep, wake up in the morning, no phone calls, no emails, nothing's going on. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool, maybe people haven't gotten to it yet. Get on the bus, first phone calls from Gabe. From Def Jam. Def Jam. Yep. Right? Big publicist over there. Big publicist. And he said, great job. <laughs> Something to that temperature. Um, Gabe is ripping me a new asshole. I'm on the turnpike, and it's like fucking, I'm just like sitting against the window. He's like, why the fuck would you do that? I wouldn't have invited you if you were going to do that to us. That's so fucked up. Don't you ever think you're coming to a Def Jam event ever again? And I'm just sitting, like, I'm smirking, but I'm just like, I don't know how to take it because this is my first, like, you know, wrist slapping of an industry problem. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So I get to the office. So you don't think it's a problem at this point? I still don't think it's a problem. I'm <laughs> just like... In the middle of his sentence? You were just I like, was just like, all right, like, my fault. <laughs> <laughs> like, the ordinary, like, my bad, but I don't give a fuck response. Yeah, so, like, yeah. that happens. So I get to the office, and I'm walking through, like, and walk through the desk, whatever. And my homegirl, who I always pass by and fuck with, she's on YBF. And I hear, like... One of the videos that I recorded last night, I'm like, what are you watching? She was like, oh, I'm on YBF because Kanye put a new video out and Rihanna's in it. I'm like, where did you get that? She's like, oh, like, uh, on some. You know, low key. <laughs> right. Like, but like, they didn't know me like that. Like, when I was there, like, they knew me as Nile, but they didn't know me as, like, low key or oh, whatever. Right. I, yeah. That was your side hustle? Yeah. Like, when I, I got hired because of you heard that new, but the girls, like, the people in there weren't really, like, privy to blogs. Gotcha. So, like, YBF and like Nicole Bitchy and Concrete Loop, they would take stuff from me like when it was exclusive. Right. So like, but they wouldn't know like the people in my office wouldn't know they were getting it from. Right. So I'm looking at the website and the YBF one, they're showing the uh, Welcome to Heartbreak video. But I didn't tell her like, yeah, I did that last night because now I'm thinking like, okay, this could be an issue because it's, <laughs> it's on YBF, it's on Rolling Stone, it's on MTV, it's on Hip Hop DX. You knew it was gonna be a big deal. I <laughs> knew it was gonna be a big deal, like in regards to like chatter and to like you know, oh, like we saw this video on this site, like not nah, right, picked it up, but it reached 
so many different levels. Like it went, yes. it went to like you know A and R's. It went to fucking promo. It went to TV. It went to every level in that building that I wasn't ready prepared. I wasn't prepared <laughs> to deal with. So I get to the desk and it's everywhere. Like every video is just everywhere. Gossip blogs, music blogs, magazine. I'm just like. You broke Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) So they're all over the place. So uh, I get called into the office and, you know, I have to take this stuff down and they're making threats. Like, so Def Jam is now making threats to us about severing ties with us between Def Jam and BT. Like, we're never going to bring any more videos over there. This is fucking crazy. How could y'all do this to us? At the time, Stephen, I think Stephen Hill was out of town or somewhere, whatever. <laughs> I don't know where he was, but he wasn't in the office, which was probably the, a good thing. So Rhonda talks to him, and she's like, just you know, go apologize to him. Like, it's not that deep. Like, you didn't take any money out of anybody's pocket. You didn't steal anything. Like, it was a, you know, it was a well, public event. Well, sort of did. Technically, if technically, you yes, but yeah, but like wanna... the videos were made. Like, they were already done. Everything was already, you know, packaged, you know, wrapped nice and everything. I just got to it early. And that was pretty much my welcoming party <laughs> into the industry because after that, it was a no camera, no cell phone. You left your mark. I, that, yeah. Yeah, till this day, it that's what it is. And it's like the low key rule. Yeah, and they actually dubbed it that like the first like couple months, like oh the low key rule, you can't bring any recording devices. We have to take your phone, like all that type of shit. So are you good with Def Jam now? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're you know me and Gabe are you know not friends, but like we're. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and for our last story, I think we saved the best for last. We did. We went with our best friend, Greg Mayo, who we've known forever. He does all the music for A Waste of Time with It's The Real. He does all the music for It's The Real. And he has a hell of a story. It's about his lady friend. She's a lady who wants to be more than a friend. It's a doozy. Um, okay, so this, this involves uh, a few characters. One is a girl we went to high school with, our friend, let's call her Kelly. Kelly. And Kelly worked for a woman, let's call her Joanne. Joanne. So they worked in a small office, a small operation. It was a marketing company. And she asked me to, Kelly asked me to come on board to do a freelance project for them, shoot some stuff, and I brought you on to do the music. Right. Later on, you get a call from her to meet at a Barnes & Noble. A Barnes & Noble, uh, Starbucks inside a Barnes & Noble, to be clear, yes. So she buys me a, a drink, which was very nice. Oh, look at that. Like a coffee-type drink, not a, you know. Uh, so she buys me a drink, and we sit down, and she says, Listen, I think you are wonderful. I think you're fantastic. I think you have a great band. I love the sound of your stuff. I can't stop listening to it, as you just said. She wasn't lying. <laughs> and uh, she said, I see you have a show coming up out of town. I know you do well when you play in New York. You play at the Bitter End. You play a couple of clubs. You you." you you have a lot of people coming out. But a couple of the out-of-town stuff, how is it going there? And I said, well, you know, not as well. We play this gig once every couple of months in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, at the Sarah Street Grill, um, which is as weird as it sounds. <laughs> um, and we just can't seem to get anybody coming out. We've done, we've gotten in contact with, like, local, uh, like, the college uh, newspaper, and we tried to do an interview with them, and they did it, and three people came out from that, maybe, and then that died down. So, it just, we couldn't get anything going, and nobody can ever get anything going at this place. It's like, TV's everywhere, projection screen, showing the football game on stage, and then we show up. It's very strange. You're just saying this as a matter of fact. You're not saying, hey, I need help from you. No, I'm just giving her the, the situation. She asked the question, I was answering it, exactly. But what does she do? She says, okay, here's what I want to do for you and I want to use this as an experiment for me in my marketing business I want to take out 
a bunch of I want to blanket Facebook in Stroudsburg with ads, like really driven specific ads for the show to the college students out there, to the art scene out there, and I want everyone to come out to Cyrus Street Grill to see your show. I want to use, I want to pay for the whole thing. I want to work all the ads myself, Facebook, MySpace, wherever else, so social media is happening. And I want to see how well the numbers are. You're saying that you don't get many people out. I anticipate it's going to be huge. Well, I think you're going to pack a, the place. What's not a lot of people? Not a lot of people. Well, honestly, they're to see us and not just have dinner and shoot pool. I'd say we have like three to five people each time. And total there are? Total there are. In and out, you probably have like... 20 or so people but at one time at one time yeah five to seven to nine people and it's a big place too. yeah so she's excited about it she's really excited about it she's really interested she's diving in head first so she also says i'm going to print out these newsletter or these uh email list type things where people can sign up and then also check off where they heard about the show whether it was on facebook or myspace or word of mouth or our website or whatever so she can sort of break down the game film afterwards, you know what I'm saying, to see how well it went and why it went so well. So I told her, I said, I don't think this is going to work. I said it straight up, but if you want to check it out as an experiment, go for it. Fast forward two months, the show. Seven of us in the band drive out. We go in, we set up, we do our thing. She shows up with Kelly's older sister mm-hmm. as sort of a company. So they, they drove an hour and a half out to your gig <laughs> yes, to watch you perform in front of Thousands of people. Hopefully, that's what they're hoping for. That's right. right. That's what they're looking for. Thanks to Facebook ads and whatever. Damn straight, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and um, uh, sorry to backtrack. She would email me every once in a while to tell me how well the ads were going. With really having no information except for the Facebook whatever diagnostics. They would send, oh, man, 100 people saw this this week or 10 people saw this today whatever. So these were apparently great numbers. She had no reason to oh, believe man. that. But you, you guys are going to kill oh, it's out It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So show up at the gig. Don't expect anything. Don't even tell the guys what the situation is because they couldn't care less. Anyway, we set up. We're about to start playing, and she's there eating you know, a burger or something like that with Kelly's older sister, and there's absolutely no difference in the audience whatsoever. Seven people in the band, two people sitting at the front table there, and three bartenders, a couple of waitresses. We got 15 people in the place, mm. and then like a couple of people in and out to have dinner and shoot pool and watch some football. So she just spent however much um, money... I was not making you a star. Oh, exactly in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, where yeah. I've always wanted to be now, a star. Now, real quick, um, uh, two things: how many people signed up for the email sheet? Not a single one. Okay, and back at Barnes and Noble, something else happened. <laughs> yes. What, um, what did you, what, what else did she want there? Well, the conversation turned personal at some point, where <laughs> I was not interested for it to go in any way. She asked. She, she somehow became aware that I was a child of divorce, and she was, and she was getting a divorce <laughs> from her husband. We'll call him George. <laughs> um, George apparently has an interest in young Asian women. I think that's what and I found jo- out. After Joanne was no, neither. Joanne was neither <laughs> young nor Asian. Um, so clearly that wasn't going to work. Uh, so two kids later, they decide they're getting a divorce, and she asks me, "You seem like a very put together, well adjusted young man." How do I help my kids through this divorce to see to to make them turn into you, basically? And you said, and I said, well, you got a fifty fifty shot <laughs> because I have an older brother who did not turn out quite as well, and uh, it's really just a crapshoot. Good luck to you, is basically what I said. <laughs> so to fast forward, you you play a lot of gigs around the city. Better, better attended, um, and those are you put those up on your uh, MySpace page, put them on your Facebook, Sometimes, and your, yeah, yes. your website. And 
but you do you also play other, and she would show she would start to show up at, at those type of shows like she did um she came to your holiday party there were a few years there where greg would have a themed party for his birthday for his birthday which happens to be christmas eve so greg would pair not only christmas songs but also you would have a set afterwards where you would dedicate your band to playing an album from front to back, right? Correct. It's 2009, and it's December, and I have a, a big group of friends who are all musicians in New York, and I decide, okay, well, I'm going to book. At the bitter end, we sort of got to do whatever we wanted because we knew the run, guy who run the show, and we always did well there, so we booked three hours. I booked my band at 9 o'clock. Then I booked a buddy of mine who also has a wonderful band to play at 10 o'clock. And then at 11 o'clock, we decided with our bands combined and a bunch of other people, we were going to play Abbey Road by the Beatles start to finish. One of my favorite records of all time. I know it like the back of my hand. And I organized all of my friends together to play this record start to finish. Great birthday. Exactly. So um, I don't remember where it first came into an idea for her, but she decided, okay, well, I have wanted to have a quote-unquote company party which at this point I know the company's only two people, so I don't know who's going to show up. But she decides we're going to have a holiday company party. But hey, why not help your numbers out even more and also have these people have a really good time, bring them out to the bitter end to your show and have this big company party at the bitter end. And so she buys out. She buys out the entire section that's up to the right of the stage, if you've ever heard or been to the bitter end. It's a space that fits maybe 30 people. She buys out this whole corner of the place. And it's even, like, roped off at her request. It's like a whole private section, which really nobody gives a shit about at the bitter end. (laughs) So the night comes around, and I have literally a thousand things to think about. I have my show. I have the show that's playing after me that I'm also, like, sort of a part of. And then I have these 30, 40 musicians coming together to play Abbey Road. I have a bunch of friends coming out. We have packed the place every time we've played this club. I don't expect this night to be any different. And then, of course, this woman, Joanne, and her company mates are coming to have this holiday party. She has also asked, and this is actually really wonderful. This is the, probably the best thing that ever came of this relationship. Part of the, One of the party favors to all of these people was a Greg Mayo and the Groove CD. So she bought... She bought like 30 or 40 records To just give out. To just give out to her... At $10 to, a pop. Exactly. I wasn't going to give her a discount. <laughs> no. no, of course. It's a great birthday. Absolutely. So... Everything was fantastic. I was looking forward to it. And again, out of, out of the, the couple of failed experiments that she had, had, she had had already marketing for us, I guess she was excited to try to pay us back somehow. I don't really know. But whatever. It's fine. She shows up. And she goes above and beyond. Oh, oh my God, she does. So she knows that it's my birthday, obviously. And she, I forgot, was it right at the beginning of the, of the, of the Abbey Road set? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. <laughs> she decides to stop the show completely. In front of a sold out In front of a sold out crowd who 90% of the room has no idea who she is or what she's doing there or why this section of the bar is closed off and why what these people are doing, celebrating their own thing and they don't quite fit with everybody else there. She pulls up a birthday cake to me and on the top of the birthday cake is the cover, essentially the cover in crudely drawn version of Abbey Road. I I sort of blacked out this moment of my life, so you guys might want to help me explain the rest of the stuff. What, what did it say? Well, it said, Abby birthday. <laughs> and I didn't really know quite know what to expect, because, of course, there's candles on it, and she wants this whole thing, so everybody, she somehow gets the whole room to sing me happy birthday. 
And she wanted it to be known that it says Abby birthday on it. She was really excited about that part of it. Well, you also, you get on the mic and yeah. she's standing up there and you go, thanks, everybody. everybody. Yeah. Because everybody just sang me happy birthday and everybody in the room decided to spend their, you know, December 20th or whatever with me. Well, and she was yeah, this close to, murdering to stabbing you, you yeah. with, the, with the knife that she was using to cut that. And yeah. I only it, found that out weeks later, by the way, how angry she was that I didn't thank her personally directly for this. Well, okay, so it's, it's a little bit like Ralph Wiggum and, uh, you know, you can watch his heart break right. in slow motion. Exactly. Um, but she, she powers through it. And she starts cutting pieces for every single person in the room. That's right. Like she was the mother of an eight-year-old at, you know, an after-school. Right, right. At the bowling party, you know, whatever. All right, so here's an email that you just pulled up from when? This is December 16th, 2009. The title of the email, You Are a Pain in My Ass. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I wish I had heard from you last night Eric was not going to shoot tonight, as in film the show. Yeah. I asked him directly. I would have asked another friend slash shooter to do it as a favor. Tonight will, be fu- uh, tonight will be full of energy and music and my flip now. I'm sorry if I projected on you that I thought you were keen on having this video to use to promote yourself to get into bigger venues. That is what you said your goal was for the first half of next year, and I was trying to help make it happen, as well as having something high quality to send to others. I know I have made life weird for you by telling you way too much about my feelings for you and my life, but I had hoped you would have still gotten that I was dead serious about helping you on the marketing business side, which, by the way, she failed miserably at earlier that year. I feel like you have totally ignored everything, including business, that I have written you in the past three weeks. You are not the only one with a busy life. In between my two day jobs, my mommying job and my effed up life, I still have managed to hustle for you. Greg, whether it is with me or anyone else in business, don't worry about pissing people off. Clearly, she doesn't worry about that at all. The whole world doesn't have to love you. What? If you don't like something or something doesn't feel comfortable, say it. It will save a lot of time and energy. If you have time for Facebook, take two secs to write me back and say Eric is not shooting and that is fine with you or even that you don't want my help. And this is where it gets really fucked up. You give off totally mixed signals in a number of areas. And for the record, the first two times we met, I did not know you were with anyone. I I had asked and was given incorrect info. I never want to be the cause of breaking anyone up. Just It's just not who I am. In 18 years of being with George, I have never been interested in anyone else. I am woefully rusty. Oh, God. I hope to have between 25 and 40 people there tonight. I, ho- I-, I spoke to the guy who runs the place yesterday, and we are cool. I'm going to see, uh, see out the marketing for this show 110% as I have invested time, money, and a ton of energy into it, as well as invited many people. I hope that you will bring lots of CDs for sale. I hope you are cool, too. After tonight, I will leave it to you to get in touch with me if and when you want any further help for business or contact on the personal side. Oh my. I have one major one-ray relationship in my life and I'm trying to extricate myself from. I am so moved by you, not just the concept is what she writes in parentheses, <laughs> but you did not ask for any of it, so again, I apologize. Tonight will be great. I just wanted to clear my head before I saw you so I could enjoy the music. By the way, I did not see this email until after the show, thank God, because that would have made things Way bad. Way, way, way bad that night. No, she cleared everything up. Oh, clearly. Everything was great. 
So that is uh, just one of the like, plethora <laughs> emails that I have here from her. Um, oh, my and, God. Uh, yeah. There you go. You are a pain in her ass. Clearly. Not the kind that she wants. And you're dating this girl at the time? Yes, who was also at the show and knows about the whole situation. It was a little weirded out by it, but she's totally open and fine. So it's a, it, um, it was cool on that front. Okay, so let's fast forward to you're playing around the city. You play this gig with a singer-songwriter girl on the Upper West Side. You're doing a favor to this girl. You're there to play, what, two or three songs? Three, yeah, it was like a, a, an open mic night type of thing. Ten-minute show, getting paid well and, and playing some and, easy songs. And... Who is there but Joanne? Of course. But Joanne also asked me to come down because she wanted me to uh, have a business meeting. And you, yeah, you yeah. may ask why I'm not there. It's because uh, I hate Joanne and she hates me. And she told me that when we were riding in a car one time and she said, you know why I don't like you? Because you remind me of somebody that I hated in a past life. And I said, <laughs> all right. I got to say, everything comes out. In car rides with this woman, by well, the way, yes. as we're about to yeah. find out, yeah. yeah, even more so. Oh yeah, so so Jeff, you're there. I'm there for a quote unquote business meeting, which is her saying, "Hey, will you Photoshop something?" And I said, "Okay." Like what? That that was the length of the whole. That, that was it. Right. And so we were there for like an hour watching you guys play, right? In silence. And so, uh, <laughs> and I was very confused because first, obviously, I saw this woman show up, Joanne. And she says that, and I'm like, okay, I'm half surprised. Not really, because she's come to a lot of my shows at this point, even ones that I haven't advertised, mm-hmm. which is a little scary. But then I see Jeff walking, and I'm like, okay, hey, Jeff, what, what's going on? What are you doing here? He's like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. We'll find out. <laughs> it's awesome. And so what happens at the end of the night? So it's the end of the night, and we're saying goodbye, and I hope that it really is goodbye. Uh, Joanne turns to me and says, hey, so uh, where are you headed now? And I had a momentary lapse of just protocol when dealing with this type of thing. And I said, oh, I'm just heading back up to Westchester. I'm heading back up to White Plains. She goes, oh, great. I am too. Can you give me a ride? And I, again, had another momentary lapse of, oh, wait, I should have said, oh, wait, I forgot. I have to go do this other thing first. But I have I to said, do any number of anything. things. Anything. I have to just, you know, just go sit in my car for a while. Anyway, she said, hey, can you wear I was like, yeah, okay. Well, okay, you may wonder why I'm not part of this, and that's because I'm smart, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go home. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I Leave, was like, I'm going to walk. Left like, me hanging yeah. completely. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's all good. So we get in the car together. And, and she gets in your car, yeah. That's right. And she's in the passenger seat, and again, this is where the confession center basically happens. And we're just talking about, I'm trying to talk about very, very little, and and just like... If you're watching this as a movie, the symbolism would be so great because I'm leaning to the left window. I'm trying to like lean as far away from her as possible, symbolically trying to keep as much distance between us as possible. And she's just making small talk and talking about music and other things. And then seemingly out of nowhere, and I, I will remember this till the day I die, she says, you know, Greg, so George and I are, you know, are... We're getting a divorce. It's not finalized yet, and things aren't working out, obviously. I haven't had sex in six months. (laughs) At this point, you are slamming on the gas. Yeah, I'm I'm driving about as fast as I possibly can. She said it was a six-month anniversary. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. Yes. I apologize. I worded it wrong. Yes. It is the six-month anniversary of the last time I had sex. And my silence... (laughs) 
could not have, could not have lasted any longer if I was by myself. I sat there for I don't even know how, it must have been like thirty seconds before I responded with like a Oh Okay Oh she said, yeah, you know, obviously it's not working out with George. And uh, She said she goes to therapy and her therapist. Her therapist um, basically says, well, you have to make yourself more, uh, more appetizing to the opposite sex, you know. You have to make yourself feel better. You need to start going to the gym more. You got to eat better. You got to get out of this rut that you're in. You got to get yourself out there. Do you think this was her doing that? I, I'm now certain that this is what she was doing. I am certain also that she was hoping to, for me to say, hey, well, my apartment's got a big bed. Let's let's get you out of this rut. You know what I'm saying? But, of course, I'm banging my head against the window trying to get further and further from this That's woman. That's the only banging point. that was happening that night. <laughs> so I kind of like do the as, – as awkward as possible, do the let's see what's on the radio. <laughs> on the radio, a little, a little talk radio, 1010 wins or – WFAN or something. Think about baseball. Think about anything else. Singing along to like Cars for Kids ads. (laughs) Exactly. So, get her. She had left her car at the Harrison train station. So, I. Of course, it's not anywhere near where I live, really. It would have been much faster for her to take the train and me for her to just go straight to my place, but that's fine. I drop her off at the Harrison train station. You like skid into the library. I skid into the spot. I slam on the brakes. She kind of sits there for another minute or so. I don't know what she's expecting at this point. I, I have an idea of what she's expecting at this point or hoping for at this point. But I kind of say, okay, then uh, have uh, get home safe. Have a good night. And uh, she walks out of the car and out of my life. And uh, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> not out of your life. I wish. I because wish. she did show up. She at showed your... up at my house, or <laughs> so I have a studio in the house that I grew up in, and that's right. where I do all my work. And she shows up afterwards. You know, this is the epilogue sort of to the story. She shows up with. <laughs> so I have to say, I have to say that one of my necklaces that I wear. My my father passed away years ago, and he had this this uh, yin yang sort of on this necklace piece that he had made, or somebody had made for him. And when he passed away, my mom had one similarly made for me, and I wear it all the time. I've had it since I was, you know, in uh, in college. And she knows that it means something to me. Everybody knows that it means something. Anybody who asks would know. So she decides to show up at the house. Sort of like with, a, I think it was like an hour's notice, by the way. I was working on something, and she said, hey, are you around? And I was like, I forgot how she wrote me into saying yes, but I guess I always said yes. Mm-hmm. No, she just showed up. I thought she just showed up. Oh, maybe yeah. she Oh, yeah, maybe she didn't expect for me to be there or something. And yeah, she just I happened. don't know. Anyway, she showed up with a yin-yang cake. <laughs> that she had made. That she had made earlier that day, and a poem that she thought... I could turn it, or a couple of poems that she thought I could turn into lyrics, into song. She said, listen, I've been really inspired by your music, and I think you would do some really well, great stuff with this. I've been working on poems and lyrics. Why don't you try your hand at doing this? And I kind of had to say, well, I'm kind of all set in that department. I don't have them anymore, which actually, I probably have them in my email somewhere, because I think she emailed them to oh me as well. God. And she gave, me the, she gave me the cake. I didn't need a bite of it because I was afraid to. Because this is now after her, I shut her down, clearly. Mm-hmm. And somebody had come over a week, I think it was like a couple of days later, and they were like, oh, what is this cake? And I was like, you want it? And they were like, yeah. And I kind of watched them to see if they now, survived the whole did thing. You, did yeah. you ever return that baking no, pan? No, yeah. I did not. Yeah. Nope. 
Nope, nope, nope. It's uh, I think it's in my mom's uh, in uh, in with my mom's things. Now. And did she? Uh, am I making this up? Didn't she, weren't either the lyrics or the the poem about you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they were they were it was personalized. Yeah, they were vaguely about an older woman uh, going through a crisis in her life <laughs> and finding solace and comfort and in, a, a, in a younger man's arms. And so that was one of the ideas, and the other one was some, was something about a failing love of of uh, of years and years. I think that first song would have sounded great coming from the, oh, yeah. your perspective. <laughs> now, right. um, have you or seen as a her? duet is probably what she was hoping for. Have you <laughs> have you seen her since? I mean, we're still friends on Facebook, but she's also written you emails. Yes, right? she has written me emails. They've be- they've gotten shorter and shorter over time, right? And oh. it's been a couple years. No, since. but there was a, there was a point where she would just send you emails in the middle of the night, being like, "Listen to your music." Oh, that's right. Folding laundry, <laughs> listening to your music. Oh, fucking a, man. Uh. So yeah, she would she would continue to uh, sort of throw out the uh, the fishing line, as as they say. And trying to reel me in, and she's trying to pass you that cake. My responses uh, were non-existent from the beginning, and right. they stayed non-existent. And I think it's been a couple of years. I could check my email, but it's been a couple of years since I've heard a thing directly from her. Um, we're still friends on Facebook, so we can monitor her situation and you know keep tabs on what's going on there. But I'm happy to say that that chapter, at this moment, <laughs> dot dot dot, is finished. <laughs> You know what I call that? An Abby ending. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Please subscribe, rate, comment. Go to iTunes. Go to SoundCloud. Tell a friend. Jeff, which friend do you want to tell? I don't know. We just ran through 13 of them. I don't, I don't know who else we need to tell about this. How about we tell our best and only friend? Who is that? Casey McAdams. Who is that? Oh, no. Oh, no. Jeff, don't, don't start this. I don't know who that is. Oh, no. Anyway, see you next week.